I have a lesson tonight entitled A Biblical Worldview in the 21st Century. And I want to define this normally in the past, in the past way, in the past when I've spoken. I've just had bullet points and, and I basically stared at you and, and orated. But tonight, I'm really going to try to stick to these notes. Um, they're going to, I thought they were going to have a countdown plan for me to look at because I'm retired, but many of you are not. So I do not want to hold you all night. So what's a biblical worldview? And this is a definition off the internet. A biblical worldview or a Christian worldview, I added that part, is a worldview based on God's unchanging word. Since God is the creator of everything in heaven and earth, he is the standard for truth. God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and unchanging. Using this brief and concise definition of a biblical worldview, are there conflicts conflicts to that that come into play in Western secular worldview 21st century? Of course, we know the answer is yes, there are conflicts. We all should know the answer to that. Okay, I just told you that. Genesis 1.1, start at the very beginning of the book. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Immediately, if you believe that today, you have a conflict with the world. The God of the world doesn't like that. And his people don't like that. But we love it. And we hold on to it. And it's truth. And we need to believe that in all things. There's a lot of things being said in media and you can go online and find a hundred different websites, a thousand, that tell you something different than that. But we hold and should hold and will hold a biblical worldview that God created the heaven and the earth. From that very first verse in the Bible, Christians find themselves in conflict with the 21st century Western culture. I want to present I want to present a certain biblical perspective on this conflict approaching it from using scriptures from a biblical point of view. This will just scratch the surface of an enormous topic. I could talk for the remainder of the year and into next on this, but we're going to we're going to just try to keep it concise and I think you'll hear some things that might surprise you, maybe you haven't heard before. First, in an analogy from my past. Some of you may think it's a brag. I guess it is. In the fall of 1974, so 49 years ago, we're in fall of 2023. I was starting my senior year in high school. It was my sixth year of public school football. All six years I had been a starting right tackle on offense and a starting right tackle on defense. I love football, it was a wonderful sport, I thought. We were going into our third game, so that would have been sometime in September, so I'm a little earlier than just 49 years. We were going into our third game of the season, we were undefeated, the team we were facing was undefeated, It was their homecoming game. The stands were packed. It was drizzling, but none of them left. They stayed. This was their team. They were going to watch. Earlier in the week, because we were now seniors, we had received a scouting report from this team we were now facing. And I was sitting next to my my right guard, who was Bob Mulehoff, and he was... 165 pounds soaking wet, and I was 175 pounds, the big guy on the line. And I'm looking at the scouting report, and it's got the names of all the opposition players on both offense and defense. And I recognize the player that's going to be their running back, Mike DeGane. He was a state champion, 167-pound wrestler. And when he hits you coming through that line, which I would find out later tonight, you would, feel, you would see stars 
Uh, six years of football, nobody ever punished me tackling him like this guy. Of course, we shut him down, but that's beside the point. <clears throat> that's beside the point. I'm looking at this, and I leaned over to Bob, and I said, these two guys, defensive tackles, they're brothers. They're over six foot two, and they weigh over 300 pounds each. I said, this has got to be a typo. Somebody messed up. Maybe they're 200 pounds. There's no way they're 300 pounds each. These guys aren't college or pros. They're high school. And, and I'm looking at that, and, and the coach assures me, no, these, these two guys are 300 pounds. And, you, and they're in front of you and all night long. And I'm thinking, oh, okay. But our coach was good because he had seen the scouting reports too, and I think if I'm not mistaken, they showed an eight millimeter film showing this team destroy another team the week before. That was before video, by the way, eight millimeter film for those of you that don't know. And he said, this is what we're gonna do. And this is what we did. All week long, we practiced Bob and I pulling, going around end, and wiping out whoever came into our zone and a running back behind us, and we were just gonna sweep. We were gonna sweep right, sweep left. Because what these big guys couldn't do is they had no lateral pursuit. They were big, and if we ran at them, it wasn't much you could do to move them. But they had no, they could, they kind of lumbered. These were, you know, these are, these are big guys, not big guys, big guys, okay? So all game long. And at the end of the game, we ended up winning 34 to nothing. You know, we shut them down. You know, once again, a big brag. But that's not the point. The point is that the enemy has your scouting report. You may think you're getting away with something in your life. Believe me, you're not. I know because I've tried to get away with things. Don't do, don't do that to the mic. It didn't work. It, didn't, it, it doesn't work. The Lord, the Lord always knows for sure, but the enemy's watching too. Now the enemy, he's not omnipresent. He can't read your mind. But sometimes, like with the scouting report, he doesn't have to. He's just got to look at you. All they have to do, all they have to do, because there's multiples, is watch what you're doing. You know, how do you treat your wife? How do you treat your kids? Maybe you're a prayer warrior. Maybe you read your Bible 10 hours a day. But when, when, it, when it, something goes wrong, maybe you bite somebody's head off. So they're taking, let's make note of that. Let's see how many times we can make something go wrong for this fellow. All the time. And so we have an enemy that comes before us. And it started very early, very early in scripture in Genesis 3.1 and you're all familiar with this story. Once again, it's a biblical worldview. I happen to believe it's, it's verbatim and true. And I know that in the world out there that doesn't know Jesus and hasn't met God like I have, they, they would think I'm adult, but I really don't care what they think because I know the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've had him walk with me through many situations, not the least of which this latest challenge. And I'm thankful for that. So in Genesis 3, 1, we'll just, we'll just start there and go through down to Genesis 3, 6, just to kind of re resurface the story once again. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God not said, You shall eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it. Neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. Let me stop here and just say, this should have been a red flag to Eve. They, they, her and her husband would walk in the cool of the day conversing with God, their creator. It had to be, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a situation that we can't possibly imagine now. I mean, we can maybe imagine it, but probably not do it any justice. And, and here this snake is bad-mouthing 
the creator of all things. And, but she listened. She kept listening. For God knows that the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open and ye shall be as God's, knowing good and evil. We're going to touch that ye shall be as God's part a little bit throughout the course of this lesson, but I just wanted to point it out. You shall be as God's. Then the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree was desired to make one wise. Who wouldn't want it? Who wouldn't want it? You talked me into it. She took the fruit thereof and did eat, and also gave it to her husband, and he did eat. The opening point here is that the adversary will use our own weakness against us. Granted, poor Eve didn't have a lot of history. She didn't have a lot of time to know that the devil's a liar and the father of it. She would learn that very hard lesson very soon, but she didn't know that then. So I think we can cut her a little slack. I don't know that any of us would have done much better. First John 2.15, love not the world, uh, I've heard people compare this to what we just read, and I believe, it's, I believe it's the case. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. I am painfully aware though I was always aware, to one degree or another, that I'm temporary here. That's just the way it is. Young people, don't get too caught up in this world. I know you're young and handsome, the men, and young and beautiful, the young girls. Don't let the enemy try to talk you into something. I will guarantee you that if you live through whatever he talks you into, you will regret it. I will guarantee it. I will guarantee it. 2 Corinthians 4 and 3, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world, here we are, that small g God again, you shall be as gods. The God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. When I look out the window these days, well, I saw my friend Herbert walking this morning. Invited him in. We had some oatmeal and prayed together. It's a beautiful time. And he's graciously come to hear me speak tonight. And I thank him for that. Amen. And his daughter, his lovely daughter. Amen. But most times when I look out the window, unlike Herbert, I see souls just walking. And I think, dear God, how close are they to you? How, how, how near are they to you? You know, I, I look at people now and I, and I drivers, people, I mean, I mean, driving down 59 to get here from the other side of the, of the planet, I mean, traffic is, and I'm just driving in my little green car hoping nobody hits me, and, and I'm thinking, wow, all of these souls, all of these souls, do they know the creator of all things? Do any of them know that? And it's, now it's a concern to me. I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about that. For each of us as individuals must discipline our minds against the wiles of the devil. Ephesians 6, which I love this chapter. I love Ephesians every now and down through the ages as I've grown up in the Lord, baptized in 1979 in June. It's been a long time. It's been a long walk. God and I have been together. Sometimes I haven't been with him, but he's always been with me. And Ephesians is currently my most favorite book in, in the entire Bible. Ephesians 6.11 is one of my favorite scriptures. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Do we realize that's the case? Do we understand that's what we really are wrestling against? When you get into it because somebody bumped your car in a parking lot, do you realize what's really behind a lot of that? If not, not the banging of the cars, but the emotions and the feelings and the things that are going on. Can we control that through the spirit of Christ? Oh, we, we can. You know, we, should, we should have the spirit, but then we need to walk in it as well. 
First Peter 6, 5 and 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, into the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. Boy, have we ever been doing that lately, casting our cares upon him. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Whom ye resist steadfast in what? In the faith. Back to that biblical worldview again. That's the faith, the word of God. You want to know about God? Here's the manual. Pick it up, read it, cover to cover, absorb it, absorb it. The enemy hates it when you do that. I heard a sister today on, on the lift thing, you know, and I know I'm not supposed to be there because it's all only women, but, <clears throat> you know, I'm up anyway, so, you know, I just enjoy the testimony saying that she was having an issue and she started reading scripture out loud and I'm thinking, yes, read it out loud. Yeah, you can read it to yourself. You can do that. But the enemy hates it when you read it out loud. In fact, he ain't sticking around if you start reading that thing out loud. He's going away. Whom you resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. You are not alone. The enemy will try to hit you with that at every turn. You're alone. Depression, you're alone. No one's suffering like you are. That's a lie. It simply is. I'm I'm not special. You're not special. We're all special to him. And he wants to be part of your life at all times. But God, but the God of grace, who hath called us into his eternal glory, Jesus Christ, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish you, strengthen you, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of a hand clap right here, Lord. Are there thoughts in Western society that stand in opposition to the revelation of Jesus Christ? Well, that's a no-brainer. Yes. Yes, there are. Are some of these thoughts standing alongside the revelation of Jesus Christ in the minds of the people within the body of Christ? Ooh, that's a little tougher question. What are we carrying in parallel? We're walking with God, we're praying, we're reading our word, but we're living, you know, scripture says, it speaks in the New Testament of Lot, that righteous man vexed in the spirit by what he saw going on around him. There's a lot going on around us right now in the world. How much of that is vexing you? How much of that are you maybe even, you're you're not quite sure, It, it doesn't seem to be sin, so why can't I think about that or participate in that? How many things? Self-examination using scripture is required to fully answer that question. Again, the biblical worldview is necessary. First Peter 1 and 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Right here. That helmet of salvation, what is it protecting? Your mind. That armor of God. I didn't read that whole thing, but we know what it says. Shield of faith. Faith, you know, you're the helmet of salvation. Um, It's guarding your mind. And hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's not just one revelation of Jesus Christ. That occurs over and over and over again in your life. You're going to read a scripture, and if you're scripture readers, and I know all of you are, you're going to read scriptures over and over again, and then like my wife, A certain scripture on a certain day because of a certain thing that just happened is going to jump off the page and it's going to speak to you like nothing. It's the living word. It's it's going to speak to you. You know, you've read it before. Yeah, it, it meant a little something then, but now it really means something. Hosea 4 and 6. My people are destroyed for a lack of faith. No, no. A lack of love, joy, peace? No. Something academic. A lack of knowledge. 
a lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. Thou hast that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, and I will also forget thy children. If you think, if I think, let me, let me make, make it about me. I'm not going to beat up on you. If I think I can just do what I want, occasionally pray, you know, enjoy whatever I want on TV, feeding my flesh. If I think I can do that and then come to church and pray, yeah, yeah, I can do that. And maybe, maybe, I know none of you are doing it, but maybe, maybe just a little bit you could be doing that. Second Timothy 2 and 15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing, once again, the word of truth. Studying this. Not casual. Not, it's, it's oh, I walk over to the table, the dust, and now I'm going to read it for 15 minutes, and then by that time I pick it up again, more dust. Um, no, no, that's not Studying. That's how you fail a class. That's not how you excel at it. That's not how you become top in the class. That's not how that happens. In Matthew 24, 24, there, for there shall arise, this is Jesus Christ speaking, in the last days, false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. I'm humbled when I read that because Jesus is telling me that there's something that is going to be so seductive that it's possible, possible that it could deceive me and I'm just barely going to escape it. Just barely going to, that, that gives me concern. Where am I? Where am I in my walk with God? Could there be a current cultural thought or belief that stands above most of the others, completely unrecognized and residing in the church? Ultimately, opposition in opposition to the revelation of Jesus Christ? Perhaps. Perhaps. I'm going to switch gears here. Now we're going to, we're going to start to ramp it up. The term devils can be found 48 times in 48 verses in the King James Version of the Bible. Now that's just devils, plural. That doesn't include devils, singular, or any other, any other derivative thereof. So 48 times. Here are some examples of it. Leviticus 17 and 7. And they shall no more offer their sacrifice unto devils after whom they have gone a-whoring. This shall be a statute forever unto them throughout their generation. So they're offering things onto devils, disobedient spirits, angelic fallaways. Deuteronomy 32 and 16. They provoked him to jealousy with strange gods, with abominations provoked they him to anger. They sacrificed onto devils, not to God, to God's small g, whom they knew not to gods that came up newly, whom your fathers feared not. We're getting, a, we're getting a feel here that when we spiritually walk away from God and go in another direction, we're going towards, I'm going to be honest with you, devils. That's where you're going. If you think there's some spiritual thing you can experience and it doesn't involve Jesus Christ, don't go there. Just don't go there. Second Chronicles 11 and 15. And he, ordained, and he ordained him priests for the high places and for the devils and for the calves that he had made. I know we didn't explain that scripture, but I got to get moving here. I'm, I'm running out of time. But for he ordained priests in the high places for devils and for calves which he had made. Now nobody, nobody in their right mind at the judgment seat of Christ, would look, look back and say, boy, am I glad I followed after devils. At that point in your existence, all of that baloney will be stripped away and you'll be facing the living God. That's, that's, 
you want to you want to come to this revelation before you get there. You you don't want to wait till that happens. Psalms 106:37. Yea, they sacrifice their sons and daughters on the devils. Can you believe that? Is that insane or what? You know what? I look at our current society and 60,000 babies killed for the god of convenience and I'm thinking apparently in our modern age, yes, people can do that. Sacrifice their sons and daughters. Now, when I look across this congregation, obviously that's not an issue. There's babies coming out the windows around here. And that's a blessing and a good thing. If you're having a child, even if you didn't plan on it, love that baby. Because you know what? God planned on it. Get on his table. Get on his time schedule. It's going to be inconvenient. Oh, all kids are inconvenient. I was so inconvenient for my parents. Lord, I'm lucky I'm alive. That's not the point. The point is God has got a plan for everyone. 106 and 38, finishing up. And they shed innocent blood, even the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to idols. Notice devils, idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood. From the Bible point of view, God's devils and idols are interchangeable. Can we agree on that? Please agree on that. Please agree. The New Testament, continuing the thought about devils, 1 Corinthians 10 and 19 through 22, says, what say I then, that the idol is anything? That piece of rock or that piece of metal or wood? No. Or that which is offered to idols is anything? But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not have that ye should have fellowship with devils. Ye cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Ye cannot partake, be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Oh, dear Lord, no. We are not. Don't, don't intermingle. Be careful who you hang with. Be careful who you play with. Be careful who you're with. Are they, are they, what are they? Now, I, I, I gather, you know, if, if scripture tells us if we are to totally disassociate ourselves from anything corrupt in the world, we'd have to leave the world. Basically, I'm paraphrasing, but that's in the scriptures. I know it's in there. So we do have to intermingle. And there are times I remember going, I, I'm not going to go there because that's a side story and we don't have time. <laughs> Now, back briefly to the book of Exodus, Exodus 12, 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. But I want you to pay attention to the second part of this. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord God. You remember when Moses went before Pharaoh and he threw down his staff? Pretty impressive, a snake. What did the two priests of, uh, of Pharaoh do? They just became snakes too. Now granted theirs got gobbled up by Moses's, but still it's pretty impressive. Don't ever think that there's not power in the occult. Don't ever think that. There is. Absolutely shun it. Stay away from it. Be situationally aware, but don't get too close to it. Don't get too close to it. I just, on the internet, I thought, I'm going to just print up a list of the Egyptian gods and goddesses. Anubis, Set, Isis, Osiris, Troth, Hathor, Horus, Beset, Anam. And there's a little tab here that had, I poked it, plus 15 more. That was nine plus 15. How many gods did they need? You know, I'm thankful I have one, you know, and that he loves me and he cares for me. Amen. Now think of, think of Egypt, Egypt right now and of the seven modern wonders of the ancient world, the only thing left standing are those huge pyramids. And don't let anybody tell you otherwise, they have no clue how they built them. They don't. They make up stories and they show, you know, we'll build a sand ramp and there's over a million of those huge blocks in one of those big pyramids. Okay, you, you believe whatever you want. But the gods of Egypt... 
The Lord, we just read, he's going to go through there and make a show of them. He's going to put them down. When he takes his children out to the promised land, when he takes them to the edge of the Red Sea, he's going to make a show of the Egyptian gods. He wasn't just making a show on Pharaoh. He was doing it to the power behind Pharaoh. He was showing them, yes, I'm still the creator of all things. And you are behind me, all of you. And when I say all of you, I mean Hathor and Isis and Horus and all the rest of the bunch. You are behind me. Having all of the preceding verses on devils in mind, what have we learned about the small g gods that were in the gods of Egypt? And I think we already answered that. Hint, it starts with the letter D. Devils. Daniel. 10 and 13, and this is a beautiful book, and I wish I could read the whole thing, but we can't. In the book of Daniel, it said, and this is, we're we're jumping in mid-thought here, but I know you Bible scholars, most of you know exactly what I'm talking about. The prince of the king, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and 20 days. Daniel had set out to fast, and it was on the 21st day of the fast. And an an angel of the Lord eventually shows up to him on the 21st day. Do you have patience to wait for the Lord to answer a prayer for you for 21 days? Do you have that patience? You know, I think, 21 days is a long time. It doesn't sound like it, but do me a favor. Don't eat for 21 days. Let me know. Get back to me. Just just how tough that was. So here we are. Withstood me 21 days. But lo, Michael, the prince... The chief, one of the chief princes came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now, what is, what is the prince of the kingdom of Persia? What is he? Once again, what's it start with? D, devil. You know, forget all the, the, the fancy monikers. Forget all that. Ephesians, just interjecting that here. 612, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. What did we just read? The prince of the kingdom of Persia. These are, these are supernatural beings, and they fight against us. And apparently, to some degree, they fight against the angels of God, and they seem to have a little bit of a... Well, he didn't win, don't get me wrong. I'm not giving him victory in anything. But it ain't a slam dunk either. And the, and the big thing is, we're the pawn on the chessboard. We don't see where the king and queen is moving. We're just the pawns. And so for us, it's tough. Remember Job. Poor Job. God bless him. You know, you know here he was. You know, Satan comes and stirs the pot before God. You know, have, where have you been? Satan, oh, I've been walking, you know, to and fro in the earth. Have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him. He's, oh, well, you put a hedge around him. I can't touch him. Remove that, and we'll see what he does. You know, we we don't have time for that story either. But you know what it is. You know what it is. So there's a battle going on all the time in our lives. All the time in our lives. And we have to be well-equipped to be situationally aware of it. Matthew 4 and 8. And again, the devil taketh him to a, this is Jesus, taketh him up to an exceeding high mountain. This is the temptation. You know, Jesus had just fasted for 40 days, and now the devil comes to tempt him, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. And then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written. You want to battle with the enemy? Start with, it is written. And start quoting scripture. He doesn't like that. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt I serve. Then the devil leaves. And behold, the angels came and ministered unto him. Jumping in mid-thought here, 2 Peter 2 and 6. And the turning of the... And the turning of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ash condemned them with, with an overthrow, making them an example for those after, uh, that after should live ungodly. So 
though it's never mentioned directly in scripture, who would the gods and everybody in the Middle East, well, frankly, everybody in the world, and don't let an atheist kid you, they have their gods. They just don't realize it. Who in the world would the gods of the residents of Sodom and Gomorrah have been? We don't know. They're not mentioned. They're not mentioned at all. But whatever their names were, we know what they really were. And the residents, including the government, listen to this, the government, the business, and the educators of Sodom, the whole society fell in line with it. And as it became more warped warped and more perverted, that whole society collapsed to the point that God said, I've just got to burn them up. There's just no hope for them at all. None. Think about what we've been putting up with for the last few years, how nobody knows what a man or a woman is anymore. Um, You know, it's it's confusing. I'm not that bright. My IQ is not that high. Um, I had a three point, or I had a 2.75 in high school. I'm not a genius. I'm not at all. Played good football, but I'm not a genius. (laughs) Not at all. I know what a man and a woman is, you know, when, I can't go there either. I can't go there. Um, Years ago, I had this discussion with a sister, Kelly. She, She and her family Well, she grew up on the other side near Lake Michigan. That's as narrow down as I'm going to make it for you. In case she happens to get wind of this somehow, I'll let her tell the story. She started to live in one of the Nordic countries, and I won't narrow that down any more than that either. Um, And those are either Denmark, Finland, Iceland, Norway, or Sweden. That's the Nordic countries. And there's some isolated islands as well, but those are the biggies. And she spent a lot of time there. She just moved there. She, you know, she was involved in the church there. So she wasn't just there having a good time. She's, she's a Christian. And she came back to visit her parents. And my wife and I happened to be in the same room with her. I was discussing angels and devils because I just like the topic, okay? Sorry. I just do. It gets me fired up about the things of God. And she said, listen to this. She said, I hear you talking. She said, we had a minister and his wife. They were missionaries. And they went into a rural Nordic town. Now, there's history there. Every every country's got history. And every country, believe it or not, has got small g gods. Every single one of them. Every single one. And she said, "The, the minister's wife was home alone. He had to make a trip. He was, she was there in the village. And in the middle of the night, and that's where these things happen, in the middle of the night, something manifested in her room, in her bedroom. Now, this is a missionary's wife. And it said to her, these are my people. You can't have them. Now, how did it speak English, considering it was <laughs> in a Nordic country and they don't speak English? Because they can pretty much speak anything. And it took her aback. It surprised her. It took her about an hour and a half to finally get her spiritual wing, water wings. And she, who, who amongst you would be expecting that? Right. You know, I'm, here I am in a country. I'm, I'm teaching the good things of God. And, and, and something like a troll appears in my room and tells me, these are my people. You can't have them. Right. And she, got, she finally got her spiritual water wings going, and eventually, through the word of God, he had to depart. You know. I find that interesting, because we tend to think, we read scripture about devils and think they're all on vacation someplace. They don't exist anymore. Oh, brothers and sisters, please, please don't believe that. They want you to believe that, but I'm telling you, don't believe that. Don't believe that. How well do you think you would do under similar circumstances? I have to humbly say, I don't know. I, I don't know how I would do. I would hope as well, as well as she did. And really, could such a thing happen today in America? Could that happen to you? Could it? Could it? Three Pentecostals that I have listened to over the years have told me a very similar account, only it wasn't a troll that visited them in the night. It was something else. You know, the enemy never appears as he is. You know, we know for a fact that 
Scripture tells us, verbatim, the, the Satan appears as what? An angel of light. An angel of light. We're warned in Galatians. We're warned in Galatians. Said so if we or an angel preach any other gospel unto you, let them be accursed. Folks, the word angel is like human. There's good ones and there's bad ones. Don't make angel something holy that it isn't. An angel doesn't have to be holy. It can be deceptive. And we need to be study to show ourselves approved so that we're ready for that encounter, if and when it were to come. Yes. 2008, Sunday school. I was teaching the lesson. I must have had nine people there. About Ephesians 6 and spiritual warfare, one of my favorite subjects. And I was talking, and there was a little lady there. She's, she's you know, if you look at Sister Elvie, she's about her size. Just a diminutive little thing. She's a little African-American lady. She's listening away. But boy, I'll tell you what, when she was up on the stage, you know, she talked like this. She's very, very quiet. She's singing about Jesus. She don't need a mic. She can, she can peel paint off the wall in here. She's powerful. She's powerful. But she's listening to my message. And I'm going to be ambiguous here on purpose. I'm not going to give the monikers that these things want us to give them. I'm not going to do it. I refuse to do it. I don't have to do it. You can't make me. You can't make me. I, I, in addition to spiritual warfare, I told her, or told them, the nine of them, about a fellow named Joe Jordan. If you want to know what Joe Jordan looks like, take a look at Brother Bray. Brother Bray's younger and more handsome, but basically, that's Joe Jordan. That's what he looks like, physically speaking. Joe Jordan was involved with this group, and this group had, cha- had chapters all over the United States. His particular chapter that he's in charge of, and he works at NASA, by the way. You know, na- what, is that, what does that stand for? Somebody? National Aeronautics and Space something with an A? I don't know. Anyway, he belongs to this group. They, they record data meticulously about encounters with things in the night. Constantly. He was a new ager. He had the old earring going and loved his crystals. And, you know, he was just that kind of a guy. You know, aliens are, oh, I said the word. Sorry, I didn't mean to say it. Forget I said it. Race that, will you? He went to take a, a report from a, from a man who had had an encounter at night. And all of these account, encounters, they end badly to one degree or another. Nobody, generally speaking, unless they are nuts, finds the the experience pleasant. You know, you would think a superior being could be a little nice. Anyway, he went to take this man's report. And he took it, and the man said, yes, I was paralyzed in my sleep, yes. I couldn't move, yes. I could see something in my bedroom moving towards me. And I said, Jesus, guess what happened? The whole thing went away. Joe's mouth hit the ground. He'd never heard anything like this before. He took the report because, you know, whatever they tell you, you're going to write it down. Because that's if you want good information, don't make it information as you would like it to be. You make it information as it comes to you. You know, I wish our news would learn how to do that. But that being said, (laughs) that being said. So he, he takes this information down, and he is flabbergasted, to say the least. He's never heard of anybody getting out of this in any way, shape, or form. They are more powerful than us. There's nothing we can do. But not when somebody says, Jesus. What's that all about? So he calls up other chapters across the USA. And he says, listen, I, I, am, I am really beflummoxed at the moment. Um, this is gone. This just happened. And he describes what happens. And there's silence on the other end of the phone almost universally. He calls four or five guys or gals, doesn't matter. And they say, yeah, we've discovered that too. And so there's this whole organization that's aware 
that's aware that with the name of Jesus, you don't have to leave the bedroom in the middle of the night somebody shows up. You don't have to do it. Now, I did this whole, this whole account, and right afterwards, Sister Edna, that little, that little lady I was telling you about, that could peel, peanut, you know, peel the paint with her voice, walked up, she said, Brother Curtis, you know, that happened to me. I was laying in my bed. Well, I'm going to speak up because you don't need to try to figure out what I'm saying. She, and she said, I was laying there and I woke up, something very heavy on me in my chest and I sensed there was something in the room. I could not move. My eyes were wide open. I was completely paralyzed. I couldn't talk. But in her mind, she said, Jesus. And once she did that, her mouth opened up and boy, the Jesuses were coming out then. And guess what happened? Gone. Gone. Now, this is somebody I know face to face. This isn't hypothetical. This is not hyperbole. This is, this is somebody I, I know. I know this woman. And I know her husband. You know, I know them. And I believe her when she says it. Philippians 2 and 10. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. Everything bows. Everything's bows. Strip aside the facade and what they want you to think they are and realize what they really are. And use the name of Jesus. You're a child of the king. You have power over all things in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, I got to get going because my time... Is over, actually. <clears throat> Ephesians, we'll finish up with these next two scriptures. Ephesians 3, 1 through 12, and I'm going to switch over to the ESV. It says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery that was made known unto me by the revelation as I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations. Paul is saying right now, right now, something is changing. The mystery is changing. Now it's something different. It's different. As it has as it has now been revealed by his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are now fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promises of, Je of Christ Jesus through the gospel. We, unless there's a former Jew in here somewhere that I don't know about, God bless you if you're here. But we are all Gentiles. I don't care your culture, your color, what you look like, what you don't look like. We're all Gentiles. In, in, God's, in, the, in God's kingdom, it's Jews and everybody else. But now he's saying, he's saying, this mystery is now for the Gentiles. They're going to become fellow heirs of the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God of grace, of God's grace, which was given me by the work of his power to me, though I am the very least of saints. His grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Here we go. Suddenly we're included in this. Thank you, Jesus. Thank God. Thank God to wit that, you know, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. At this point, God is not just dealing with a, with a Jewish people. He's dealing with all of us. All of us. And to bring light to everyone and, and to bring light for everyone. What is the plan? Bring to light for everyone. What is the plan of the mystery hidden in ages ages in God who created all things so that through the church that's you folks the manifold wisdom of God may now be known listen to this to who to your neighbor to the guy across the street uh, 
the Chinese? No, to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Suddenly, they're involved in this. They didn't know about this. And I'm going to prove that to you in a moment in Scripture. This was according to the eternal purpose which he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith, through our faith in him. Final scriptural reading, and then I'll finish. 1 Corinthians 2 and 7. This again is Paul. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Now we just read he's talking about this mystery, which involves us Gentiles. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Listen to this. Which none of the princes of this world knew. He's not talking about Herod and Pilate, folks. Those aren't the princes he's talking about. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Had those dumb devils realized what they were doing. You've heard the analogy. It's dry all around and there's a, can- there's a fire here. And some big guy puts his big 12, boom, right in it. And those ashes go flying. And now the whole field's on fire. Oh, boy, they wish they could get that back. They, choose, they wish Jesus could die of old age at this point because he's intruding into the God of this world's kingdom now. That is intrude. You're all here because he has done what he has done to make you available to the blood of Christ. You are all, why don't we stand to our feet? I, I really appreciate your tentative. Nobody threw any rotten fruit. I, I really appreciate that. I, I love every single one of you. you know, I'm going to be honest, some more than others. And if I don't love you as much, it's only because I don't really know you. That's I. But you're all lovable people. You just simply are. I, I'm going to ask that we, we end in prayer for our pastor because he, he burns the candle at both ends. I know sometimes we don't realize it, but he's constantly going and going, and he kind of wore himself out. And, 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 you know, we have limitations in our flesh. That's just the way it is. So why don't we pray for him as we dismiss. Precious Lord, anoint our pastor, precious Lord, and all the other ministers in the house. Bless and anoint them, O Lord God. They put in a full day's work, and they, and they deal with us, O Lord Jesus, all of the time. We ask that you bless and anoint them, O Lord God. Anoint our pastor, the precious man of God that he is. Precious Lord, look after all things that are going on. Allow everyone to get home safely tonight, O Lord. You protect these vehicles as they go. Put your hedge around each and every saint in this building tonight. Now and for always, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen. Thank you and have a wonderful rest of your week.